Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Hugh Ballou. Welcome back to this episode of the Nonprofit Exchange. You can find us at thenonprofitexchange.org. That's T H E nonprofitexchange.org. This is episode, I think, 307 or somewhere around there. And we've interviewed some very interesting people over the last eight years. So today's is no exception. Um, I'm, we're going to talk about the topic in a minute, but I want my guest to introduce himself first and what he does. Dean Crownover, welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. And tell people a little bit about you and what you do. And why do you do this? What's your passion? Well, Hugh, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, uh, excited to be here. I am a benefit auctioneer specialist. And that means for galas, for fundraisers, I exclusively work with nonprofit clients. And I am their profit consultant leading up to their gala or event. And then I'm the guy on stage who does the auctioning and does the call out for donations. Uh, I've been doing it for about 12 years. Love it, love it, love it. I came from entertainment. Most, I would say 99% auctioneers come from a family of auctioneers who do cattle and traditional things, uh, antiques, all that. I came from entertainment as an actor in Atlanta, and that's where I'm based, and got thrown to the wolves one day. And to do an auction as part of being a funny Frenchman at a fundraiser. I was just walking around being, uh, you know, eye candy. But part of it is I had to do the auctioning. And I got to tell you, I was hooked. And when I turned it into a business, because I didn't know I had a business for a while, it was so, it is so much more rewarding than acting. Acting is a very, if you will, very selfish thing, because it's about me. But this, I am an ambassador, I am a diplomat, I'm a salesperson for a nonprofit. I'm helping them help their clients and I love it. I, my wife worked in nonprofit forever. And so coming home and explaining, you know, we raised 50,000 or 25 or a hundred or a million or whatever it is and helping change lives. It makes my life so happy. It's so much fun. And so I found a very rewarding career. Whoa. What's the Confucius say? If you love what you, your profession is what you love, you never work another day again. So right. I can feel the passion when you talk about it. So <clears throat> we have some misconceptions about your profession and we'll deal with those. But first, go back to what is a benefit auctioneer? Talk a little bit more about what that is. Sure. So there's about 200 of us, I think, that are full time in the U.S. And we're specialists in the auction world. Uh, the National Auctioneers Association has a designation called Benefit Auctioneer, and it's basically a specialty. We do lots of classes, ongoing education. Our job, and for those of us who are full-time and only work with nonprofits, is to consult on every aspect, including the newest trends, every aspect from A to Z on their gala, revenue streams, run of show, marketing, everything. Our job is to be, if you will, the nonprofit's co-pilot. I would say, in fact, Hugh, that 
90% of what I do is behind the scenes. Uh, an, uh, an auctioneer like myself is usually booked a year in advance, and we wor work that full year. Most guns for hire who they may be a regular auctioneer, maybe show up that day. Maybe they have one phone call. I have an ongoing meetings, phone calls with my clients. So I'm so embedded. I know that event back and forth. That's the big difference. I'm, I'm thinking of an analogy back um, when I was working my way through college, back in the dark ages, when we mm. used film, I had a, mm. a business in Atlanta where you live. Um, and people would hire me to do the photographs of their wedding, and they didn't have a wedding planner, no coordinator, nobody to run the wedding. And so they say, what do we do next? What do we do next? So it's it's almost like people doing a, an auction, they don't have a planner. They don't have a wedding planner to tell them what to do or how to build out everything or how to really excel at what you're doing. And so in a way, you're sort of like a stage manager in a in a concert or you're also the fundraising specialist now when a nonprofit already has a development person or a fundraising specialist do they need you do you work in tandem with that person or how does that work oh I, that's my favorite client to work with so i work hand in hand with the development team so because i'm the guy on stage i'm the guy they're not going on stage they're not raising and the difference is I'm working 80 to 100 of these a year. Most nonprofits are doing one big gala and a couple other fundraisers. So the experience load that I have is much, much bigger. And I see all the trends. So again, going back to trends, because I see so much and do so much, and I can tell you what's selling or um, what kind of emotional story, because that's very big, uh, that we're telling. And I'll see the different trends in that. So my job is to go back and work with them and really tell them what's hot. What are, what are they missing? Or what can we take that they're doing that's working and make it even better? So I love working with my development teams. You know, the best leaders I work with are the people that are already good leaders. And they're, they're good. They know what else they need. Now, I've, I've been to galas, and I know that the organization just called in an auctioneer at the last minute as a gun for hire. And so what, what you do is really a whole lot more valuable. So now, now we think we hear the word nonprofit and we start going into this scarcity mindset and we think, oh, we can't afford that. So in some sense of the word, you can't not afford to do this. So what's the, you know, why should someone hire you and is it affordable? I mean, is it, does it pay off? It's so funny because <laughs> when somebody asked me that, the first thing I say to them, well, you can't afford not to have me. Um, you're absolutely right. It's a, um, it's a specialty that number one, it, most people don't know they can hire because they don't teach you in high school or college how to book an auctioneer and, or a consultant that I do because nobody knows they exist. About 10 years ago, we were really scarce. And now, now we're pretty mainstream. And the, the nonprofits that I work with understand immediately, and they'll tell me, we understand the value of hiring someone like you because I work, they, I work in addition with the nonprofit, but if they have a meeting planner, and now there are gala planners who specialize in nonprofits, I work hand in hand with both parties, right, to make it happen. I can say one bid, I can ask for one thing to pay for me. And, and by the way, 
If you want to book a benefit auctioneer, get a sponsor to pay for them. A sponsor that's will take care of it. Um, I'm the only person you hire, not the venue, not the food, not the band, who brings in money. I'm it. So our we're we're relatively, I'm not gonna say cheap because I am not cheap, but we our ROI, mine is pretty high for a nonprofit. That's return on investment. Correct. In this sense. And uh, when people give money, it's return on impact. Um, you can spend the ROI, but that's a good thing to know because we're, I'm a recovering Scottish Presbyterian and we don't want to spend money. That fits right in with the nonprofits. Now you said you're part of the mainstream. I've been working with nonprofits for 33 years. This is the first time I've heard of a benefit auctioner. So um, let's let's help get the word out there because I think this is really needed. Now, auctioneers must go to auctioneer school because you all talk fast, right? Okay, so 50 states, about 24 of them, and this is really important, by the way, when you're booking, um, 24 of them, I believe is uh, is what it is, you have to have as an auctioneer some kind of license or it's against the law for you to use someone who is not a licensed auctioneer. So do check with your state or your county. Um, and then it, it, in the states like New York, California, uh, and Georgia you have to be licensed, but like other states, it, it's county by county. So, um, so number one, check that. Number two, do we have to talk fast? No. And here's why. A traditional auctioneer who is selling estate things or cattle or what have you, uh, a normal auctioneer makes an income by uh, a percentage from the seller and a percentage from the buyer. So they want to sell 100 items per hour. So they talk very quickly to get that sale, then move to the next one. Uh, benefit auctioneers don't work that way. Can you model each, each way of talking? Oh, so the chant. So I'm going to be very honest. Yes. We go to auctioneer school, we learn the chant, we learn a lot of legalities. So the chant is um, where you have filler words in between what you're asking for. We're two and a half now, who will give it 35 now, 35 now, 35 now, 45 now, what if you give me 45, would you give me 45? So they are talking quickly for a rhythm, but it's to move things along. I don't have to do that because I'm selling five to seven items. And I gotta tell you, Hugh, most people have not been to an auction. And I'll give you a great example. This I was doing an auction and this woman who I could tell was of means and loved the nonprofit, was an animal nonprofit. And I work on the floor before we go into the ballroom. I work on the floor near posters where the live auction is. And I'm answering questions, introducing and answering questions. And she comes up to me and I go, she goes, I really want to buy that item, but I don't, I've never been to an auction and I, I don't trust what auctioneers might do which is very enlightening. And I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, they talk too fast. I don't know where the bid's going to be. I'm afraid of getting ripped off. I said, well, uh, A, I don't ever do that. I go very slow. I go, we're at $1,000. Now who will do 1500 And I taught her a little bit and she goes, ah, I don't know. She ended up buying that item for $10,000 when I got to it because I would turn to her and I go, now we're at 2000 She would wave, thank you, 2000 Now let's go to 2500 I go slow, and and if you will, I compare my audiences who I love, 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 because they are supporters. At some of these events that have open bars, they're sort of like drunken kindergartners. 
So I have to talk very precise and slow so they understand where we're at. I want everybody to feel good about giving and buying. And so that's one of my specialties. One of my um, superpowers is understanding and controlling an audience. Because the bottom Listen, line is, is building uh, good relationships, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, as I always tell my clients, the, the number one objective is not for them to be a patron that night. It's for them to become a patron of your nonprofit all year long. That is always my bottom line. That nonprofit is the hero, not me. I might dress in the fun jackets because I'm really fun on stage and I really make people feel good. But when we leave there, I want that patron going, wow, I never understood this nonprofit. I want to find out more. How can I give all year long? That's my bottom line. And that is so valuable. It's not the transaction. It's it's the it's the relationship that that's at the heart of this. So um so when when you're interviewing auctioneers, should you just look in your town or should you look outside of that area? And what are some of the things to look for? So that's actually an excellent question. Um number one question is is there a benefit auctioneer specialist? in your town or in your area. You can find that out um, if you go to the National Auctioneers Association website, which I think is auctioneers.org. And you can find a list. First of all, you wanna find a specialist. If they're in your area, great. Uh, but like in Atlanta, I was the first person in the state of Georgia to ever become a benefit auctioneer. And that was 12 years ago. I was shocked nobody had done it prior to me. So now there's a ton of us. Find out that first. Find out if they need a license in your state, because that's very important what we talked about. Um, do they hold the benefit auction specialist designation from the Auctioneers Association? Because that means that they are qualified to uh, be your consultant, which is really the next question you need to ask them. Are you a hired gun who just shows up that night? or are you going to consult? Are you going to send me, for instance, I sent, I've written a guidebook and I've written another book and I send my books to them. I have ongoing communications with them. Teaching, that's my job, really. Consulting and teaching as we're going. So find out, does that person do that for them? Are they there to hold their hand? Are they going to, are they going to uh, help? When you need it, are they going to be on the other end of the phone? I take phone calls at seems like all hours of the night um, when when people are stressed. Uh, and do they specialize only in fundraising auctions? These are the types of questions you have to ask. Oh, and how long, by the way? How experienced are they? How many are they doing a year? Because experience compounds. And I'm not saying the new a new guy has to get in there too. They may be trained. They just don't have the experience yet. Sure, sure. It's so, um, is it good to ask for referrals as well? Absolutely. I will give, um, especially when I was first starting now, I'm, I'm very lucky because my name is out there. It's, it's I have a very good reputation. Um, but before, when they didn't know you, you're going to get most, as an auctioneer, most of your referrals from the audience. When they see what you do, they come up to you afterwards and say, hey, I'm on a committee for a nonprofit or I work at a nonprofit. We're having a gala. Let's talk. Um, that's your number one. But 
nonprofits talk to each other and they're going to say, because I've heard some stories, some bad stories. Um, the worst are we had, it's <laughs> my favorite story. We had a committee member or we had a board member be our auctioneer, but he got drunk before the event and berated everybody and it was horrible. We need a professional who's not going to do that. You know, so that's that's a lot of what happens. Um, wow, I just have a bunch of questions here. So um, I'm glad to know about you. This is a this is a goldmine of data. And I, I, we do a lot of things wrong in the nonprofit world. You know, I teach this stuff and I still do stuff wrong. So um, and we help nonprofits build their their core competencies and then find competent people to work with. Um, so. Auctions happen at galas, but do they happen in other occasions as well? Yeah, I mean, you can use it in any kind of fundraiser. And, and I want to be real clear. The number one revenue stream is called the paddle raise or the fund a need. It's a generic term. Live auctions, number two, maybe number three. At the sponsorships are number one overall, but at an event, it's the paddle raise. It's a very structured way that we ask the audience to donate. It's my specialty. It's where we have a testimonial, maybe a video. We explain why it's so important. It's about emotion, about giving. And then I ask at certain levels. Um, that is the number one way to make money now. So I have been brought in not to sell anything, just to do the paddle raise. In fact, I would say that's becoming more popular now, that it's just the paddle raise and nothing else. And that would be at a gala. Yeah, I've done it uh, at galas. I've done it at meetings. Um, mostly it's a gala or a fundraiser of some type. Yeah, but I mean, I brought, I've been brought to homes for people who love their nonprofit. Um, in fact, uh, to just do something private. In fact, I'm doing one this weekend where the benefactors are the Special Olympics of Georgia and St. Jude Hospital. And it's a bunch of country club members who every year get together at their country club, throw a huge gala. They're not a nonprofit. They just want to give and they divide the money up between these two nonprofits. So there's all ver there's all sorts of versions of what I work. Um. So I've been to auctions where it's just an auction and there were some really fun, like a, a Viking cruise because mm. the Viking got to present and then they donated tickets, which we could auction auction off at a very high price. Sure. And so there were some other donated items in there. So it was around having fun and it was hors d'oeuvres and drinks and the presentation, which people really liked. I was kind of taken back because it was very, was pretty out there as far as you need to take a cruise and here's what they are you know it was a, it was a sales presentation <laughs> but people expected that um but there was a lot of interest in that so when it came to the the final item in the and we just had one of the fast talking auctioneers so that was mm -hmm. a transactional event so let's let's talk about um so you're there to help people oh the paddle up so let me you have a book and it's it's a gift for people here and for people watching, um, it's, it's on the website um, when people go for this, but here's the Paddles Up uh, book. Tell us about the book and it, you offer it free to people who are watching today or listening on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I want all nonprofits to have it. Um, it's a very short read. It's like 80 pages, but it's 
full of information. So when COVID hit in March of uh, 2020, I had to instantly, I had literally 24 hours to switch from a live event to a virtual event. Luckily, I was camera trained in my previous life as an actor, but we had to get many other things uh, switched over. And so did every auctioneer benefit, every nonprofit. So for the next year and a half, it was all virtual galas. And what I learned is there were some great best practices to come out of virtual to apply because last August, I started doing live events again. Um, and they were about half the audiences because we had to space out. But I learned so much from virtual um, that I started applying it to my live events in my consulting. And it was so much information. It was a lot more than I thought it was going to be. And so I had to write a book about it to give to my uh, clients instead of repeating it all. And I don't want to forget anything. And uh, then like I turned it in the book and now I give it to nonprofits because uh, a great example is when you open the paddle race, now that everybody's using mobile bidding, open it a week before the event and keep it open a week after the event. Collect money from people who cannot be there. You know, there's little things now that are making thousands of dollars extra. But if they go to paddlesupbook.com or to my website, mybenefitauctioneer.com, uh, free copy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the um, benefitauctioneer.com is also a fun place to be. And let me, when people go there, as long as you brought it up, let's, what do they find when they go there? Uh, information, obviously, about me, videos, that kind of thing. I have uh, my blog is in there, uh, a lot of podcasts that I've been on lately. Um, really, it, there's a the book, obviously, they can go get for free, but all about what we're talking about today. What is a benefit auctioneer? How am I different? What is What am I going to do than your normal auctioneer? And uh, I push consulting quite a bit because that is 90% of what I do. 10% is on that stage. If we have built this thing right and we put everything in place, it's, it's not 80-20, it's 90-10. And everything runs pretty smooth that night. And that I take pride in that. This is, this is um, I'm glad you found us. I don't know how you found us, but I'm glad you did because uh, this is very useful information to have and i'm glad that we have listeners out there that are listening to every episode because this is a gold mine of information so let's let's look at now another thing that that i've seen is you go to a gala there's a silent auction mm. and then there's the other auction i don't know what you call you know your auction the so, live auction live auction okay how do those work in tandem is it a good idea to do both talk about that yeah uh, the three big money makers are the, the the paddle race or fund and need. We'll call it paddle race, live auction, and silent auction. When everybody thinks of these, if you are not part of the, of a development team, because they know where the money is now, if you're a volunteer, most people think it's all about a silent auction. That is actually one of the least performing revenue streams. It averages. 50% fair market value. So if it, the item is worth $100, you're lucky to get 50 for it in an, at your gala. It has diminishing returns. It's a lot of work to go get those items. It's a lot of work to store them, to travel to your venue with them, to display them. 
And people are tired of buying stuff. They want to just give now. So it really, in the last 10, 15 years, has really shrunk. I am a big fan of a mini auction, mini silent auction, but it's still important. I'm not saying get rid of it because only about 20% of any audience can afford the live auction. That's a big ticket item for the most part. The silent allows everybody else to play. But there's only one revenue stream where 100% of that audience can participate, and that is your paddle race, because we're asking from a dollar up. How much can you donate? I always say, can you donate from a dollar to a million dollars, anywhere in between? And everybody can. Everybody can afford 25 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks at minimum. That is the one revenue stream that everyone can be in the same boat together and feel like they're changing lives because that's really the bottom line. It doesn't matter whose life we're changing. could be an animal, could be a kid, could be a person. doesn't matter. That's who we're changing through this nonprofit. So that is when I talk to a a client, I say, please change your mindset. The silent auction, we're going to talk about it a little bit. I want you to put less energy in that. It's about the live auction and it's really about that paddle race. That is your winner. Awesome. You know, I'd never heard of the paddle race. So um, if you do go to uh, Dean's website, it's called My Benefit Auctioneer. My, like in, I mean my, mybenefitauctioneer.com. This is a business. And he specializes in helping nonprofits raise money in the variety of ways he just talked about, but also building value and building relationships that matter and building long-term strategies, if I heard you right. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, you talked about relationships. I have clients. I'm friends with these clients. I've been with them, some of them, for 10 years. Um, I kind of take it personally if I'm not hired back. So because I become, now, not everyone I can be hired back because dates change and another client might take my date. And there is a small amount where they didn't need me or I didn't work for them based on their audience, what type of event they're doing. Um, Mostly, I have a pretty good return rate. It's simply, am I available that date? But I love working with my nonprofits. I love becoming friends with them. You know, and that's so important. It's not, you're you're part of the team, but, you know, without having to be on, on, you know, on staff. And so it's an extension to the culture and understanding the value of, of this, what we've called development. It's the financial strategy and it's the uh, building sustainable uh, recurring revenue with that paddles program. That's uh, that's worth today getting the book and understanding that and knowing about you. So um, we've used this time really wisely, Dean, and I've I've learned more than anybody. So I'm going to say that up front. Well, thank you. Been very valuable to me. So uh, you can go find Dean at mybenefitauctioneer.com. And there's a contact tab there. And you can contact him. You can book a pre-consultation. You can get the free book. I don't know why you wouldn't go there. Um, We don't do a call to action in a nonprofit, but we do emphatic statements. Um, So Dean, what's... um, as we're closing out, the, by the way, folks listening to this episode, um, you will find a transcription. So all those sound bites will be in 
word form where you can copy uh, in written form where you can copy them and review them because they went by pretty fast and there were a lot of useful tidbits today. So as we're ending this, what, what do you want to leave people with? If you want to take your gala to the next level, but which means to me, trying to raise more funds, because let's face it, anybody working in a nonprofit is overworked and underpaid. We want, they want to help their client. If anything, know that there, there are people like me out there that were your help. Um, and and by <laughs> I said I'm your diplomat and I'm your salesperson and and that's true and spokesperson for the nonprofit. I forgot psychologist. I will get calls from my clients just venting. I kid you not, just to vent, and that's okay because I want to let them know it's going to be okay. I had a call yesterday. Something in my nonprofit, her world had her personal world had messed up a few things, but I talked her off the ledge. We just talked, and that was it. And so know that. There are at least 200 of, a, 200 of us out there, and we're there to help. You help your client. Dean Cronover, thank you for being our guest on the Nonprofit Exchange today. This has been very, very helpful. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.